It's time for the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield. And don't worry, Susan will be back tomorrow. Talking to the trade with us today, Sue Martin of Ag and Investment Clarion, Iowa. And Sue, it is always exciting to talk the trade with you, especially when we get to talk the trade on a day that it ends in the green. More in particular, the grain complex has a strong day. They see that mid-morning turnaround and they stay right there towards their highs throughout much of the session, settling just pennies away. So in your estimate, what was really that big story, that headline that seemed to keep the grain to feed the bulls today and keep them in the lead here through the close? Well, I think there's a couple of things. One is, yes, there's rain in the forecast showers, I should say, for southern Brazil, for our, uh, Rio Grande do Sul, but the showers are not expected to be much, uh, very light in nature. And while the rest of Brazil catches rain and continues to hold back some um, of the harvesting, which then delays the potential of the safrina crop getting planted on time. But there's even more to this than that. Uh, first off, technically, corn, March corn made lower lows for the month in December and from November and then closed the month higher and near the highs. So when we caught that correction, that was an opportunity with low risk to buy the market and stick stops, you know, 48 to 50, which should be supportive, and then put stops under the 635 December low. Because if we took that out, then you were voiding that potential or um, tendency after making a lower monthly low and closing higher for the month to go and take that uh, previous month's high out like, say, in this case, in January. Today, we took out December's high. And so the market had a big run-up. But, um, you know, the cause of, of the concern over the rain, the talk of beans in the heart of uh, Argentina in the center region, uh, maybe 40 to 45% less. And that means then that that's not implying good conditions for the corn. And and especially the newly planted corn or new corn that will be planted because of the fact that there won't be good um, moisture to germinate seed. And But even more so than all of that, I think that uh, the concern over what's going on in Brazil over the weekend. Now, keep in mind that President uh, Bolsonaro, the former President Bolsonaro of Brazil, left and went to Florida on vacation, so to speak, before he left office. And I think he did that more for safety than anything. Um, and then uh, you had that, um, oh, the insurrection into the presidential palace on January 8th and other presidential uh, buildings like Congress and what have you. Well, um uh, President Lula da Silva, the current president, remember, he spent three years in jail for corruption. And it's not, he's not real well liked, uh, amongst agriculture and agribusinesses. And that insurrection on January 8th, a lot of those people came from all over the country. And anyway, when they, uh, came, they were bussed in. And it was said that they were paid to be on those buses and were given free meals. And so they're trying to find out the Lula da Silva uh, regime now, um, government, is trying to find out who was financing that insurrection. Uh, 
and all those people to come. One thing, you know, Brazil's a different breed of cat for people than we are. You know, you look at, you know, the January 6th situation here in the U.S., but when you got past that, and, of course, President Trump talking about an illegal election and dishonest and what have you, and some believe in it, and he has a good following, you did not have businesses across the country, agribusinesses or businesses across the country, you know, protesting or saying they weren't going to operate or do anything, and you didn't have farmers especially doing that either. Where And in the U.S., farmers are older. In the Brazilian agriculture, they are younger, and they're a different breed of cat, Portuguese, different breed of cat, and they'll stand their ground. Now, having said that, Lula da Silva is investigating 100 agribusinesses, but on Sunday, word leaked out that on yesterday, on Monday, there was going to be a start of a protest or a strike where agribusinesses, and especially some of the largest ones in the country, which, by the way, agribusiness happens to be the, one of the leading um, economic drivers in Brazil. So they were going to go on strike where you couldn't say they protested and, and was creating disruptions. They just weren't going to do anything. In other words, no exports. They weren't going to uh, move planters. They weren't going to be harvesting, all of that. Okay, the market's been pretty quiet, but then also on Saturday, the um, um, justice minister for under Bolsonaro was arrested. So you can see things are just kind of gelling and heating up. And as this occurs, for now, we take markets as is. Demand is still pretty good. But what do you think China's thinking? You've got Goldman Sachs. You've got UBS. UBS is telling their their financial people or their wealthy people, go ahead and invest in China. And you've got, uh, so you've got Goldman Sachs, you've got J.P. Morgan. All of them are thinking that China's economy is going to grow 10 to 20%. If that is the case, you don't think they need everything and everything? Um, raw commodities, uh, oil, crude oil could go over $100 a barrel again, and I give credit to the Biden administration for rebuilding uh, their strategic reserves when crude got down to $70. Um, you know, they did, that was a pretty good trade. They exported at a high level and turned around and built back at a cheap level. But on the same token, you've got uh, China looking and watching to see how this is going because now the two big players besides the U.S. in the world is Brazil and China. And they're keeping an eye because they need things in timely delivery. So China's coming to the U.S. They're going to start buying right at a time when you have uh, currency that's been flowing like no other in the U.S. from the government. And so our dollar, more currency you have floating around, more money people spend. But on the same token, more dollars floating means a cheaper dollar. Then the other thing is you have rail and trucking at in tight um, demand or in good demand, but tight supply, so to speak. You have grains, you know, raw commodities, you know, corn, soybeans, and wheat all in tight supplies. So this could be hitting us, if this happens, this could hit us 
at a very vulnerable time, and you could see the 70s on steroids. And then on top of that, you have an old saying from the 70s, and it probably was there before the 70s, but an old saying, as goes hemline, so goes markets. Well, bell bottoms are coming back in, and miniskirts are coming back in. That's the 70s. So you go back and look at the last pandemic that you had, 1918 to 1920. After we came out of that pandemic, and keep in mind it was a global pandemic, but we weren't as global in trade then as we are now today. Well, you go back and you look at uh, 21, 22, markets were kind of funky a little bit, and then you just went Katie by the door into the roaring 20s. Now, if, if we see this all gel, and you have China coming at us, hook, line, and sinker, trying to get stuff bought from us, you know, soybeans, corn, wheat, well, then take a look around the world. Look at Russia. In 23 to 24, their wheat production is to drop from the 120 million metric tons that they had this past year down to 86 million metric tons. You have Ukraine producing less or the ability to get it out and in, onto ships. You have Argentina with very tough weather conditions. And then you have, like I say, tight supplies in the U.S. What happens if we go from La Nina to La Nada, no El Nino until late this year? What happens? Because the likelihood that we could stay warmer and drier, once again, creating havoc on our crops and production, the markets would go ballistic. Again, we're talking with Sue Martin of Ag and Investment. Stay tuned for part two of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton again in for Susan Littlefield to Sue Martin with Ag and Investment joining us on the conversation. Sue, I go back to our first part of the Fontenelle Final Bell uh, where we were really focusing in on some of the key demand points that helped to rally today's grains. And you bring up China, and it seems to be a double-sided coin or a double-edged sword here where analysts are thinking right now. You're looking at the positive, how their economy can reopen coming out of the pandemic how they can really see a, see a boost in their raw energy consumption. On the flip side of that coin today, though, we get out uh, domestic data that shows their GDP here coming out of 22 really shrank as well. They saw the first shrink in population in the last six decades in 60 years. Do you think they can recover from that, or is this going to soon become a law of diminishing returns where we see China slowly eroding that demand picture overall as they see this population inversion? Well, I do think that they'll come out of it, and I know that uh, since, what is it, 1961 or something like that, they've seen the biggest cut in or reduction in the population. Keep in mind, yes, we had to expect that a little bit because of the surge of COVID and coming out of lockdowns, their immune systems aren't really where they need to be, so they're dealing with that. But China is going to surge on. And the people they're losing, probably a lot of them more elderly. And so I think that, um, uh, you know, China a few years back, I don't know how long it's been, maybe three, four years ago now, that they came out with new laws where they would allow two children per family. So it takes time to build that. And so looking at a 1.41 uh, billion people population, I think that um, – 
you know, they're going to go ahead and get their factories up and running. Yes, they'll deal with COVID just like we did. But people, you know, the other thing is, too, will they spend money and go shopping? I think they will because unlike Americans who were getting handed money to stay home, unlike Americans, when they did that, they they basically improved their homes. They they did remodeling jobs. They they built new homes. They bought homes. And that's not the case in China. They couldn't go anywhere. In some cases, they were even nailed in. The doors were nailed shut. Now, these people are going to love being able to be free. They're going to go out and have and go to restaurants. They're going to get to see uh, and enjoy the Lunar New Year for a change. And on top of it, they're going to want to be able to shop and, you know, enjoy the nicer things of life. They're also going to travel and spend money traveling. So it's going to be an interesting time. But to me, that all spells a good economy that's going to come back surging. You know, um, can we see crude oil go over $100 a blue barrel? Yes, we absolutely could. Now, there's, and, and I still think, you know, Goldman Sachs being bullish on commodities in the year ahead, there's others joining them, ex, you know, even on uh, crude oil and what have you. Um, these are smart money entities. They're not going to just be willy-nilly with money. So I think they're coming at the market very progressive, very optimistic. I agree so wholeheartedly with their outlook. Now, there's that old saying, if if finanza butts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. But I will say I do think that the um, food supplies are shrinking globally and the you know the demand I see as increasing and improving. And then if we throw the black swan event into the mix, where Brazil, you know, ends up into a civil war or what have you, I think the markets are just going to be ballistic. Yeah, we're talking with Sue Martin, Ag and Investments. Sue, that's really focusing in on the global demand picture. We look back here more to the U.S. Uh, is the moisture we're seeing now, is that coming at a time where we can see positivity falling through to the 23 growing season, or is this one, it's great right now, but will it have truly any effects down the road? Well, you know, you guys are, and we are too, in line to catch some snow. But, you know, snow's fine. It depends on how much moisture is actually in it. But you can still use the moisture. It's better than nothing. It's also supposed to pick up on Kansas and what have you. But to be honest with you, the forecast that I'm seeing calls for an early spring. It's calling for warmer than normal conditions and drier conditions as we go into the summer. I'm seeing El Nino not come as fast as everybody. some entities are thinking. I think the El Nino will be later this year, maybe very late this year. And if that is the case, then the air still would remain more drier than not. Probably what's feeding the idea that maybe this drought is completely done and fast leaving is the fact that California caught all that moisture and those heavy rains. But to be honest with you, they're now forecasting that California is going to start to dry out. And if that occurs... 
And again, is Sue Martin with Ang and Investment Clarion, Iowa. This has been the Fontenelle Final Bell. Thank you to Fontenelle Heinberts for their continuing support of the program. Do remember the trained futures and options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing.